Hello and welcome to the Sports Hour on Brimbank Live on Live FM. Great to have your company. We've got a big show coming up today. Uh, we've got our resident philosopher, Charlie Gill, as always, coming on to chat about a few different things in the sporting world, as well as uh, a few other things outside of the sporting world. And then we're also going to hear from our newsman, Patrick Morrow, who's got some, uh, some special news for us and also a bit of an analysis on the AFL Grand Final that happened last Saturday between the Richmond Tigers and Geelong Cats. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, now we're going to cross straight to Patrick Morrow. Thanks for having me on, Max. Absolute pleasure once again. Before we start the news segment for this week, as the regular audience members would know, I'm going to do a bit of an analysis on the Grand Final that just happened over Saturday night at the Gabba between Richmond and Geelong. Richmond have won their third premiership in four years, and this includes their 2017 Premiership and the 2019 Premiership. So this year has been an unbelievable year in AFL terms and in world sport, with every sport under the sun infected by the pandemic. And the AFL was quick and agile to move the game to Queensland, and the Queensland government uh, helped immensely in making the AFL uh, play their matches uh, in a normal type of way. Also, it's quite amazing that we got to that uh, last Saturday, well, in October now, not in September. It was an excellent game of football. It was quite remarkable. Uh, A lot of interesting moments. I think Richmond overall had a great day at the office. Uh, If you ask them uh, at halftime, do you think they're going to win a premiership? I'd say they'd be worried and concerned, but they did what they needed to do to win the game. In the end, the margin didn't really reflect the match. I think Geelong were Geelong played well enough until half time. Uh, it unfortunately didn't help that Gary Ablett was playing with one shoulder. Quite upsetting that he finished his night like he did, uh, and I'll be and he'll be remembered for that night uh, with an injured shoulder. But he should be remembered for his excellent career. Richmond, who were 15 points down at half time, came back to win their 13th flag and their consecutive first consecutive flag since 1973-1974. It's their third premiership under the coach of of Damien Hardwick and skipper Trent Cochin. Dustin Martin, once again, just shows his brilliance as a footballer. Uh, That goal, just before the halftime break, was pivotal to Richmond's win. Uh, If that goal was not scored, I'd say we'd be seeing a Cats uh, premiership, uh, which would have been a great fairy tale in itself. Uh, with Patrick Dangerfield would have won his first premiership and Gary Ablett would have gone out with his uh, medal that he deserved immensely. It was a very odd night of football overall. If you watch that first quarter, uh, it was quite remarkable, uh, very crazy. We had an injuries, we had streakers, we had everything. So it was a bit of a crazy first quarter. But after that, the game got into some flow and Geelong went on top, especially in the, in the half-back rebound with Tom Stewart, who killed it during the, during the second quarter, and I was thinking he'd win the Norm Smith if Geelong did win. He played an excellent game, and a bit stiff that um, other players couldn't follow with him. Um, in that third, and then that goal from Dusty, just before our time, might have saved Richmond's uh, and mentality, and also a hope of winning it, and I think that helped them. I think Geelong then went back into their shell in the third quarter. A few things went Richmond's way, especially free kicks, um, 
that went their way. There was one where I think Revolt got uh, off the man and it was paid of holding the man. And I think it, I think from replay is suggesting it didn't look like a free kick, so very stiff there. Also, uh, Richmond uh, just did everything right. Bounces went their way, handballs went their way, kicks went their way in that third quarter, and they got the game back. And they were leaning at three-quarter time by two points. And then after that, uh, they went on and won the game by a margin of 31 points. But it should be mentioned, the Geelong were no no uh, pushovers, and they just they showed that they were a quality side that just couldn't they couldn't capitalise on their chances. Uh, one thing I think they're regretting is maybe putting Dangerfield in the forward line. I know it's a big X, big X factor, but you've got Tom Hawkins there, letting play forward. Dangerfield plays in the midfield. Uh, as, as I've said before, it just seems Dangerfield is their one player that needs to do everything for them or they're in trouble. And I think many Cats fans will agree with me. Even though Mitch Duncan had 25 touches and one goal, I don't think his 25 touches were that influential in the second half when it really mattered. Um, also, I think um, Tom Hawkins only kicked one goal for the night. A lot of his kicks were from the angle. As Wayne Carey has suggested, teams have forced... Tom Hawkins to kick from the angle because he's not a great kick uh, from the angle of the 50 arc. So it'll be interesting uh, for next year. Will Hawkins, Hawkins will definitely have to learn and practice his goal kicking. That'll be something a lot of the Cats players think will have to do because uh, if you look through that match, you know, a great example is Brian Myers. If he just stopped and slowed down, he could have kicked that goal, would have put them in front by a lot more, 25 points, and the match would have been over and be seeing a Cats victory. Unfortunately, that didn't go their way. Uh, for Richmond, it's, an, it's just an amazing story for a club that was in uh, an interesting period, uh, especially during the 2000 to 2016 period. Uh, it was in turbulent times. The ousting of Terry Wallace, Danny Forey had the pressure on him from the start, couldn't get the job done, and then um, we went from a five-year plan of Terry Wallace to now having a coach that is was nearly sacked in his first year. If people forget that Richmond was 0-10 and 10 when Damien Hardwick took over and uh, was nearly sacked after those 10 games. So uh, for a bit of hope and trust, and I think a lot of people need to realise as well that you know the likes of Brendan Gale and uh, Peggy O'Neill have definitely helped um, Richmond off-field, and that's now turned into some on-field success. And maybe Brendan Gale's theory uh, has, all, has worked amazingly for him. Uh, as he said 10 years ago, we're going to win three premierships by 2020. Well, they've done that. So it just proves how great they are. Um, uh, Richmond in the, distance, in the in the same conversation as Hawthorne, Geelong and Brisbane, I'd say yes. Uh, if they do go on to win next year, uh, they're, 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 that's the argument would be that they're the best out of the, the whole lot. Uh, the only argument is I'd have is that Richmond and Hawthorne and Brisbane would be in the conversation before Geelong, only because Geelong didn't go back-to-back. But it's very hard to tell, and also you can't compare sides because teams are different, uh, the game style is different. You know, you watch the 2003 grand final to today's grand final, you know, players were playing in position back then, so it's a different game. But um, it's just amazing to see a team rise from the ashes and now uh, arguably one of the best teams in uh, the AFL. Uh, in the modern era, which is quite a remarkable uh, thing that, thing or a comparison to have. But we'll now go to some uh, news of the sport for this week. And uh, in the Grand Prix, uh, in the Portuguese Grand Prix, 
Lewis Hamilton has broke the win race record, defeating uh, Michael Schumacher's record of 91 race wins. If you remember, he was equaling with Michael Schumacher on 91 race wins. He won the race by a massive margin, and he won his 92nd race win. Uh, and these are some of the highlights brought to you by Sky Sports. Carlos Sainz has got DRS as well in the background, as you can see. Perez in fifth place. Sainz is in... Uh, uh, Gazi's in sixth. They're going to go round the long way, round the outside. The AlphaTauri team and Pierre Gasly up into fifth place. The man that woke up this morning on the verge of an historic 92nd win in Formula One. Records are there to be broken, said Michael Schumacher. The record is broken. Lewis Hamilton wins the Portuguese Grand Prix. Hamilton has more wins than any other driver in Formula One history. And he is not done yet. The most successful driver in terms of wins in Formula One history. And he has won the Portuguese Grand Prix by a massive margin this afternoon. That was Sky Sports there. I hope you enjoyed the uh, commentary from Crofty and Martin Brundle. But now we'll go to some soccer in the Champions League where Barcelona have defeated Juventus 2-0. It was meant to be the match between Messi and Ronaldo. Unfortunately, that did not happen due to Ronaldo having uh, COVID-19. Sadly, uh, in the match, Messi scored scored, and also Ulsan and Valle both scored in the win against Juventus, while Man United uh, put five past RB Leipzig with uh, Marcus Rashford scoring a hat-trick in the 5-0 uh, route. Uh, these are some of the highlights of both matches. We'll start with Barcelona versus Juventus, and both matches commentary is brought to you by Sky Sports. And Fati gets in front of Bernadeschi. That's a clumsy challenge. It's a Barca penalty. A very profitable night in Turin. And Messi scores with ease. And Barcelona, in truth, have won this most titanic of Champions League ties with relative ease. Messi went offside, Fred's onside. Through the middle to Martial. And the penalty is given. Not Fernandez. Martial's taken a few in his time at Old Trafford. He fires this one in. It is 4-0, it gets better and better for the Old Trafford team that had so many problems on this ground this season. Bruno Fernandes. Martial. They're going for the fifth. And Rashford gets his hat-trick. And there is the five. The three for substitute Marcus Rashford. That's a leap out of Solskjaer's own book as a player. That was Sky Sports there. Now to some baseball news, where the LA Dodgers have finally won the World Series. They won their last match three runs to one against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this was the closing stages of the match called by Fox Sports US. We'll be leading it off to be followed by Seager and Turner. Ochuda bets a hanger that's drilled to deep left center field and gone! Maybe the finishing touch! Dodgers lead 3-1, inching closer to the World Series Championship on a home run by Mookie Penn. Now the Dodgers are one out away. Call strike three. The Dodgers win. Finally, the wait is over. The Dodgers are the champions of 2020. That's Fox Sports US there. 
And Max, that's all the sporting news of the week. Back to you in the studio. And this afternoon, we welcome our weekly special guest, our resident philosopher, Charlie Gill. How are you going this afternoon? Um, I'll tell you what, it's a lovely Friday afternoon and feeling good, feeling good about the world. Um, it's been a pretty good week. So, yeah. And of course, grand final was, was always great. How about you? How are you going? Yeah, going well. It's uh, and you're right. It has been a big week, a, a very good week, great news, um, and yeah, it's 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 almost a new life. How's it been? How have you found that new life <laughs> under? Um, two you mean no rules? restrictions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went out last night for I guess the first time in a very long time. Um, went up and down Brunswick Street, could not find. Anywhere we couldn't find anywhere to sit down. Um, everything wow. was packed out. Went up and down Ligon Street. Ligon wow. Street was the same. Couldn't find anywhere to sit down and have a beer. We ended up just buying a beer, and then just we're chucking a few manies up and down Brunswick Street. Just foot manies. Just nowhere to sit. Just walking up and down, enjoying the presence of all the citizens um, around us. Because oh, it was just great seeing everyone. Um, really, really makes you feel good. Things well, being back like that. So uh, that's why, yeah, that's why I say it's been a good week. Well, look, as as our regular listeners might know, I'm in Adelaide, so I haven't experienced this. Um, but wow, it sounds like you're going from zero to a hundred. Uh, that that's nerve wracking no, times no. for these case numbers no, in the next in the next few days. These case numbers are going to be interesting to yeah. see. Hopefully, no, they stay right. at zero because yeah. wow. Yeah, third wave could be on its way. No, like hopefully yeah. not. It, no, I'm not. I'm not pessimistic. Like I'm thinking, you're right. Like we want it to stay down. Um, and I haven't really gone zero to a hundred real quick. Zero to a hundred real quick. It would be if Dan Andrews said it's all good. You can head to the ESPY <laughs> and we can just go from there. Um, it's not like that. It's uh, you know, there's caps and the amount yes. of people can come to shops and yes. all that. So. No, it's a good step though. Like before we know it, hopefully there'll be everything. There'll be live music and pumping clubs and it'll be back to the way it was. Um, but yeah, we can uh, we can sort of escape the reality of the real world and the harsh realities of COVID-19 and get lost in sport and all of its glorious moments. So why don't we venture into that marvellous world? Well, well said. Now, we're going to jump into our first agenda item, which is uh, well, our second one. We did want to touch on Melbourne. Um, but the review of the grand final, uh, the AFL grand final, we'll start off with. And uh, can you tell us some of your initial thoughts from that game and uh, what caught your eye? Yeah, I thought it was a good game. Um, maybe, like, definitely, obviously, I wouldn't say it was a great grand final, but it wasn't a bad one. I mean, maybe it's just the contrast to last year, which was just, I mean, I was there actually. So I was lucky to be there and all grand finals, like the atmosphere is like incredible and unforgettable, but um, it was a bit of a fizzer of a game. The only thing that really saved it was watching Dusty being Dusty and um, Marlon Pickett kicking that goal, which was one of the best probably grand final moments in history. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good game until the end. Richmond just ran away with it. Um, they deserve the win. They deserve the premiership. 
um, they've had a lot of troubles, off-field troubles this year. And, um, like, it, it's great to see, like, they just had a really storied year. Like, they had all that troubles with Sydney Stack and Callum Coleman-Jones. You know, Trent Colchin was thinking of leaving the hub. There was Brooke Caution. There was Basher. Um, there was all these things happening and they still managed to win a really incredibly difficult premiership to win and they won it um, and they've won three in four years which is a pretty incredible achievement so they're definitely up there with the best teams um, of the 21st century um, I don't know exactly what my rankings would be but I'd say they're better than Hawthorne's three-peat team um, uh, anyway I'm sort of getting carried away in terms of the game itself um, the, the as I said, it was a, a good game and it was, you know, goal for goal for a bit. Um, and it was, it was such a weird start as well. Like, it was already feeling really sort of surreal with it being at Brisbane, um, being at the Gabba, being at night, which we'll talk about at length later. Um, uh, all that, um, it just made it feel weird from the get-go. And then to have Vlosten go down, like, almost straight away. And then Gary straight away as well, although he came back. Like it was just and having that break so near the start, it was just so sort of felt sort of bizarre. And then the streakers came on. Well, they can hardly be called streakers because they weren't naked and mm. pathetic, pretty much. Like if if you're gonna jump into the field, at least be naked and do a service for the rest of us, like and make it funny, um, instead of just being sort of like annoying YouTubers, which is what yeah. they were. Oh, but, were um, they? Uh, yeah, they were YouTubers. Was there a video um, that got uploaded for it? They would have made. They would have made some little video for their little friends, but like, seriously, they should have at least been naked. Anyway, um, uh, so it was a weird first quarter and then it was a good game and then um, Richmond ran away with it. But the main thing, which I know is part of the agenda, which I can lead into naturally in the flow of conversation, the main event and the main spectacle that I was looking forward to and that delivered was just one Dustin Martin. I mean, ah. Uh, <laughs> I can't put him into words. Like I'm just, I'm enamored with this bloke. Like I, I, I can't put it into words. I just think he's so good. And it was just what amazing what he did. What a man. That was incredible. Uh, yes. It's, he's just such a character and, but he's also just so good as a player. And I just find it amazing the way people were saying heading into the game, like, oh, he's one of the greatest finals um, players ever, if not the greatest already. Let's see how he performs in this grand final. And then he just does it. Like, it was just unbelievable. The last goal, I can't repeat what I said when he kicked that last goal, but I told you. I uh, used a bad word um, uh, in referring to him, um, a bad word that is used um, in a – uh, endearing sort of way I'm sure everyone knows what, knows what I mean When he kicked that last goal I just said this guy is unbelievable I couldn't believe what I was seeing The way he kicked that last goal It was almost like a joke uh, It was just um, It was like uh, I was lost for words The goal was so good The Richmond had won the grand final He's You can hear I'm sort of stumbling over myself Because as I said It's hard to put Dustin into words I know people say he's overrated and I get that because you can say that I get that someone might listen to what I'm saying now and be like, oh, come on, get over it. He's a really good player, but like, he's not, he's not a God, but what a man. to me, he almost is like, this is, this is a player that, and I go for Carlton. Like I've got no, like 
the fact that he's winning grand finals for Richmond doesn't really bring me any pleasure. Um, but you just got to appreciate greatness when you see it in front of you. Like, this is the player, um, one of the players, um, alongside Danger as well. And I would say Fife, but Dusty's ahead of both of them. Not, I would say Danger's almost a better pure player, but in terms of legacy and sort of status and how much of an icon he is, it's Dusty by far. Um, he's just like a rock and roll star. And um, he, yeah, again, I, I can't put into words how, like this is the guy that, um, you know, we'll be talking about in 30 years, like how good Dusty was and how much of an, how lucky we were to have watched him. Um, and I can see why people think he's overrated when I'm giving him the sort of review that I am now, but I think it's, it's just well-deserved. Like, I just love the guy. Post-game, I can't remember who said it, but someone mentioned him. I think it was one of the commentators. Um was saying how he's a very good finals player and that Dusty, I think when people think he's overrated, people, when Dusty plays a good game or solid game, that's, that's not realized. And it's not, but when Dusty plays, like everyone's used to seeing Dusty just play at a really good level. But when he comes to this amazing level, um, then that that's when people are like wow like he's really good but people sort of take it for granted just how good he is you know on a, on a weekly yeah. basis pretty much and um people say he steps up for finals and this is the interesting part i really liked was that to for dusty to be a good finals player he can't be a player that comes out every week and dominates he he, he he's good in the big moments and that that's what makes yeah, him so exactly. special, I think. He he, he yeah. sort of he can't be that player that actually comes out every week and does something exceptional because yeah. Dusty Dusty at his best, no one no one no one can get to his level. And Dusty gets to the highest level of AFL football in the competition right now, and arguably just, yeah. I don't I don't I haven't watched football for long. Um, you know I haven't seen it in the eighties, seventies, but wow, he's one of, he's probably played the highest standard of AFL football ever possibly. Yeah, no, I, I, I write that. I back that. Um, but what I was going to say is that, um, like, as you were saying that people think that say that he's overrated, but I mean, like I heard, um, I think this was like maybe last year. Daisy Pierce said something like, "She she she offered the question of whether he's the greatest of all time. Is he the goat?" And like naturally, heaps of people like were mocking her and stuff and saying that she's got no idea and stuff. And while I don't really think I agree with her yet, I don't think he's the greatest player of all time. I would I wouldn't make that call. Um, I love the fact that she said it. I love the fact that she um, sort of begged the question because Absolutely. Like, why not? Why, why isn't he? Like, you could easily argue that he is, even though I might not think that right now. You could really easily argue that he is. And um, it was great to see just, you know, because it was great to see all the people that call him overrated and stuff. Um, just, or not the people that call him overrated. I think you can quite make a sensible argument that he is overrated, but the sort of, I'd say sort of cynical or um, 
I guess negative people always trying to sort of detract from the best players. I love it was funny to see them get pissed off by her saying that. Um, because it's like the whole thing, like what's it called? Tall poppy syndrome, like it's just part of Australian culture, like got like a massive um just massive focus on humility and stuff and not getting ahead of yourself and etc. etc. Um and I think that gets reflected in the judgment and criticism of a lot of the game's best players, especially Dangerfield. Um, like people call him a flog and stuff. Like, I can't believe it. I, he just it strikes me as a, a nice guy um, and such a good player. And people still find excuses to just sort of lambast him and say he's not that good. And it goes for all of the best players, I reckon. Um, but yeah. Like I just, when it comes back to Dusty and um, how good he is in the context of the history of the game, um, if you want to call him the greatest player of all time, <laughs> I'm going to listen to you and I'm, I'm going to love it. Mm. So yeah, he's a player you can never get bored of finding out about, and uh, that that was certainly um, evident earlier this week when uh, yeah. it was revealed yeah. that he's worth. He was his deal was worth eleven million over seven years at North Melbourne, uh, so that's more than one million a year. And Ralph Carr, his Imagine. manager, thought that um, he did all the calculations and he thought staying at Richmond and playing for Richmond was worth more than that eleven million over seven seasons yeah, because right. because yeah. that that. The money the, that he was on at Richmond was less than the eleven million over seven seasons, but Ralph Carr thought he could earn that money, that that wasn't there yeah, in right. the deal through sponsorship, um, and all that and and marketing, um, for example, yeah, you know the modelling he does for Bonds, he could make that money up by staying at Richmond and and um, well, I think he's uh, certainly doing that, uh, but I think we'll move on. And uh, I wanted to get your just a, just a quick thought on uh, the grand final, night, day, or twilight. What should it look like into the future? Yeah, just quickly. Well, I made, I've, look, Rio, very quickly, very briefly, regular listeners will know what my stance is on the night grand final. I detest it. I think that it should go back quickly. I think that the event was okay. I twilight? think it would have been better during the day. Um, no, not Twilight either. I'm not having it. Um, no, he's not. Call me a conservative. Um, call me what you like. At the end of the day, I just want to see grand finals play during the day because it's just part of the culture of the game and the history of the game. And I think it should continue to be played at 2.30 um, on a Saturday for as long as the game exists at the MCG as well. Um, yep. So... Yeah. I think you're. Yeah, that, I'm happy is. with that. And I, yeah. my stance on this has sort of changed. Um, the reason why I initially wanted Twilight for the grand final was because mid-season, when I go to a day game, I'm not. I'm nowhere near as excited most of the time. Um, I'm nowhere near as, as excited for a day game compared to night. Night games really just feel a lot better for as a fan. But I think when it's a grand final, you're, you're, you're feeling pretty excited no matter what. So day, it's the traditional time. You can have your breakfast event before, dinner after, and it really works well. Yeah, but I'd like to see the early finals, like 
the the qualifying finals, for example, it's it's tough with the scheduling actually, because it's just tough. But wow, I I I, I like I love that day and a night, and I think it should happen a lot more in season. Those day games that start at one or two o'clock, I I they're they're the, they're the ones that I um, I'm not the biggest fan of. But we'll move on. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Brownlow Medal night. Yeah. Um, well, how, how did you think it went? I don't have a lot of thoughts. I think that people seem As an to event. criticize the event. I think I saw a lot of people criticizing the event, saying it was really boring. I mean, I'm taking a pretty sympathetic view towards sort of all the AFL-related stuff this year because I think that it's such an achievement that they put the season on and we should all be really grateful for it. Um, but as sort of like an emotionless analysis of the event itself, I mean, it obviously wasn't good as it usually would be. I saw Caro was very unhappy with the fact that um, Neil had to present the medal. <laughs> um, I disagree with himself. that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm sure they could have found, gotten someone like Simon Black to put it around his neck. Um, but overall... Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was fine. I, I watched it as a, and I, I enjoyed it, even though, well, I didn't enjoy it as much because it was so obvious that Neil was going to win. But, yeah, it's always good. Actually, they didn't have a red carpet, which is another thing I didn't like because I like looking at the girls' dresses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I want to, yeah, look, my, I've fallen asleep the last two Brownlows, I think. And I think, I think, in this day and age, it's time to loosen up a little bit. Yes, the award is very serious, and I think that's that's a moment. That no, look, not not to that extent, but I want to see a little bit of front, a more front bar action. When the front bar segment came on, my eyes lit up. Um, yeah, I agree that. I, I agree with that. I think they should have used the front bar more on that night because they're always funny and. Yeah, um, like no one wants to hear the general. Yeah, look, sorry to interrupt, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not too interested, and I'm not engaged at all by hearing um, who got votes for round seven on a Saturday at four thirty, Collingwood versus Gold Coast. I'm not. I, I can't even remember right. that game. Like, I'm. I'm just not interested in that game. Yeah. Like, well, look, I, I don't think, say, we, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with you quite um, violently. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you that the front bar would have been good on, on the 2020 Brownlow because the front bar and that commit comedy sort of match the general tone of the event, which is that it's a weird season and it's a weird Brownlow. But overall, I really like, like, I love the reason I like watching the Brownlow is not just because the tension of who's going to win. Um, and not just because of the season recap and not just because of the girls' dresses and et cetera, et cetera. It's because um, also that I like to, to do exactly what you said you didn't like, which is to see at which games um, who polled. I mean, I know what you're saying. If it's two teams that are unrelated to me, say it's North Melbourne versus Adelaide, I'm not, I'm not hang, hanging on the edge of my seat seeing just wanting to see who got three votes. But any game that Carlton um, has played in, I... I really want to see who gets the votes in those games. Um, and also, I like the idea of it being a really sort of formal occasion and, 
what do they call it? The football's night of nights or whatever. Um, I like it being sort of like the Oscars and et cetera. And everyone's in their suits and everyone's all dolled up and all that stuff. And everyone's, you know, serious. And I sort of like it. I like that formality. I like that seriousness. Yeah. No, I, uh, I think that's I, just me. I, I, de- I agree with you there. And I think the way um, my words have come out here is probably, um, it, it's, uh, it hasn't come out as I, as I think, I think, um, just, just, I love the formal part of it and how, you know, all the plays dress up and it's a very, you know, formal night. I just think the part where, um, where they, they read out the votes and that, I think that can get a little bit boring at times because no, a lot of fans won't remember the games during the season. So reading out the votes, it's only exciting towards the end when, when they're, they're working, you know, when, when we find out who wins the Brownlow, that's the exciting part. But yeah, just early on in the season, when they read out the votes, uh, less time on that. Let's spend more time on interviewing the players. Um, and I love like the goal of the year award and mark of the year um, and, and the community award and hearing those stories. Like that's what I want to hear more of. Not probably not less of uh, less of, less of the, uh, the votes early on in the season and, and that sort of thing. Uh, maybe they need to add a little bit more context around the games. But we'll move on um, and we'll go to uh, the review of the NRL Grand Final. Now, how, how did your experience go? Uh, did, you, did you watch the game now, firstly? <laughs> regular listeners will... If they've got a good memory, will remember um, the exchange we had last week, where I said I couldn't guarantee that I'd be watching um, the NRL Grand Final, and we went through why and the way that I respect Storm, but I don't know much about them. That there is a chance come Sunday evening, I will be um, tucked into bed uh, watching a movie instead. And look, I've got to come clean. Did I watch the Stormers win another flag? <sighs> it doesn't. Uh, it, it, it doesn't bring me pride to say this, but um, I watched the first couple minutes. Oh, okay. And uh, got a text from my dad saying, "Do you want to come up and watch a movie?" Oh, no. And my brother was downstairs watching the game and looked at the screen. And I said to myself, you know what? Stormers will get it done. I don't need no. to watch this. I don't, need, I don't need to watch my boys go out because I already know that my Stormers are going to get the W as they always do. So I left, I went upstairs and I watched the movie with my mum and dad. That's a famous movie from, I think, 1970-something called The Conversation. And it was good. And I'm glad I watched it. And I'm glad that once the credits rolled through and the movie was done, I didn't need to check the score. I knew what had happened. And I walked down and I, and before I even looked at the TV, I said to my brother, how much did they win by? Because I knew. I knew the Stormers would get it done. I knew they always do. So, yeah, there you go. Well, there you go. Look, you've weaved yourself out of this nicely, and uh, look, fair <laughs> enough. I'm glad. I'm glad you got to the first, the first minute of the game. I did. Did you catch uh, Amy Shark's performance pre-game? No, oh, 
I think we were just getting to the climax of the movie at that point. So we didn't uh, switch over to Channel 9 to catch Amy Shark's performance. Um, we were watching a, a classic uh, cinema. Um, we were watching classic cinema. So um, oh, okay. I would have loved to have switched over to Amy Shark's performance and caught a glimpse of her. Um, but uh, couldn't really do that in the middle of the movie. So I, I didn't catch yeah. it, unfortunately. Well, that, that, that's fine. And uh, look, you know, you watched a few minutes. It's it's better than the ones who didn't watch any minutes of the mighty storm getting up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so well done on that. Uh, and I just wanted to get your, you know, as a fan, what are your plans for this off season as a sporting fan? <laughs> oh, you know, this off season, I'll probably do a bit of work. Actually, sorry, I shouldn't arm. say I shouldn't label it off season. I should label it as a sporting fan. What are your plans post AFL season? Um, well, um, you know, probably work a little bit on um, my uh, strengths as a fan and, um, and work on my weaknesses as well. Um, I do tend to get a little bit nervous at the end of games, so I might do some exercises to try and um, avoid that sort of feeling I get in my stomach in the final minutes of um, the fourth quarter during close Carlton games. Um, I work um, in that sort of situation. I might, uh, I might uh, do a little bit of research and study into um, uh, members of bomb squads um, that, you know, come to, I don't know, terrorist incidents and stuff and have to sort of uh, cut the wires and that sort of pressure because I think it will be useful to sort of develop that sort of mindset when I'm watching those close games. Um, might do a little bit of uh, practice um, when it comes to projecting my voice so that I can scream abuse at umpires as loud as I possibly can. Um, uh, might um, continue to read and indulge in literature just so I can source as many insults that I can throw at opposition players. Um, and I'll, you know, continue to uh, play darts, throwing it at the poster of Alistair Clarkson that I've got on the back of my bedroom door. So that's the sort of things that I'll be doing over this off season. Just so come 2021, I'll be ready to go. I'll be able to be the best fan I can be. Well, that's brilliant. Um, how about watching other sports? Um, I don't like other sports. <laughs> no, um, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the tennis. I love the tennis and the cricket. Yeah, yeah. I don't know heaps about the cricket, but I'm a big fan of the cricket. Um, and I mean, of course, I love the cricket because of you. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Um, so and we, you know, I've, so yeah, I've got to watch, you got to go out and play a few games. I hear some rumours going around for games of cricket, or what yes. are you referring to? Yeah, with the older brother. Uh, um, um, yeah, look, the club is, uh, <laughs> the, the club has been wooing me. Um, uh, they're trying to bring me in, um, as Put a sort the contract of, on, uh, ta- on the table contracts on the table. Yeah. Here. yeah. Yeah, that's right. But, um, might have to turn it down. Um, might, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not very good at cricket. So, um, yeah, in terms of the sports though, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll watch a little bit of the, um, Formula One got into that a little bit this year watching the Netflix show, oh, yeah. um, and really, uh, just nothing, no sport, just uh, 
uh, captures me like like football does. So it's not really the same during the off season. It never is, um, and that's what makes the season so good. So yeah, there's my answer. Well, Charlie, it's been a pleasure. Um, and is, is there anything else you wanted to quickly touch on? Um, no, I think you've done a good job uh, raising all the subjects that we wanted to uh, discuss. So, yeah, nothing more from me. Um, uh, yeah, I'm all good yeah. uh, to everyone out there on this splendid Friday evening. Um, have a have a beer on me. And <laughs> tell your loved ones that you love them, and get ready for the trade period because Clayton Oliver's coming to Carlton. Oh no! Lock it in. Wow! Wow! <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it, exclusive. I'll leave it at that. Oh, Charlie, it's a, it. it's a pleasure, as always, to have you on and. Uh, have a lovely Friday evening and uh, and a safe weekend. And uh, we'll catch you very soon, I'm sure. Thanks for coming on once again. Thanks so much for having me once again. And that was Charlie Gill, our resident philosopher. We thank him for coming on once again. And uh, we really appreciate his insights and uh, thoughts into everything happening in the sporting world, uh, as well as some things happening outside of it. We also thank our... Newsman Patrick Morrow for coming on earlier in the show to talk a little bit about the sporting news as well as giving us a little bit of a review of the AFL Grand Final which happened last Saturday between the Tigers and the Cats. Uh, So we thank them both for coming on and uh, that pretty much wraps up our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Stay safe everyone, have a good weekend and uh, we'll see you this time next week on the Sports Hour on Broombank Live on Live FM.